Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Emergency Medical 101 podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different in comparison to what we normally do. Um, we are going to be doing a multi-part series in which we kind of talk about mental health aspects while working in healthcare. So today, our main focus is going to be on PTSD. Um, the reason why we kind of want to talk about this is, you know, as the saying goes, we can't treat patients if we become a patient ourselves. Um, so it's really important to understand whenever you work in a field like this. But before we get started, just real quick, stick around to the end, guys. Uh, we have some pretty cool news to show with you guys um, and share with you. So let's preface this a little bit. Before we get into PTSD and talk about it, let's describe what it is. So according to the American Psychiatric Association, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD is a psychiatric disorder that may occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event, series of events, or a set of circumstances. An individual may experience this as emotionally or physically harmful or life-threatening and may affect mental, physical, or social, and or spiritual well-being. Some exposures or some examples that you can see for things like this are natural disasters, domestic violence or abuse, accidents, physical trauma to people or animals. You know, as I was reading this, I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of blatant how easy it is to put one and one together or two and two together. So it sounds really similar to our job in healthcare. You know, we see traumatizing events every single day and I know we've touched on it briefly in another episode where we talked about whether or not medicine is right for you but to kind of reiterate that I mean we deal with death we deal with emotional abuse to patients to ourselves physical abuse to our patients and ourselves you know screaming crying sick or dying children you know a lot of things every single day that really define the job but also can be a life-defining factor for yourself After working so many hours like we typically do, if we don't handle these stressors like we need to, they just kind of compound and make things worse for us. Um, You know, a big thing to think of whenever we consider PTSD is that it, it does compound over time. And we have such short time between our shifts and between patients to kind of manage our emotions. So we might not even realize that there are a lot of early signs that we could notice if we saw it in somebody else and we don't until it's pretty late. And that's whenever you go down this rabbit hole and it's very hard to dig yourself out once you get to that certain point. We have to take care of our well-being first, right? If we don't, we can't take care of our patients. And at the end of the day, we have to establish that kind of ground in healthcare where we take care of ourselves before our patients. Um, And I think a lot of people get into this field because they are very noble and they want to help others and things like that. But then whenever they end up having the repercussions of the job itself, it's very hard to manage and it's very hard to be able to get past that. Um, And so some people will fail out or they will not be able to do the job anymore because it's just taking too much a toll on them. So the big question is, you know, what do we look for? What, What are our behaviors? What are our signs? Let's dive into a little bit of those. Whenever we're looking at PTSD, we can see things like, you know, thoughts that we can't get out of our head. You know, we're reliving events or, you know, playing the same things over and over again in our head, whether it's a patient or it's a situation that happened, or maybe even an experience with a coworker, 
that made you feel less confident in your abilities. You know, we see people avoiding others. You avoid activities that you might have enjoyed at one point or group things that, you know, people invite you out, coworkers, friends, whatever. And you just don't want to interact with them nearly as much as you used to. A big one that we see in healthcare, and as much as people don't want to talk about it, we see really bad mood swings. You know, one day you feel fine, you feel normal. Uh, the next day you're you're angry or you're sad or you feel this this weird emptiness inside you that you can't get rid of necessarily. And then all of a sudden it goes away. Um, the worst part, I think, and this, this affects a lot more men than women typically in this, this regard, but there are a lot of sexual changes that happen. Um, for men, you see a lot of erectile dysfunction, um, and that can also cause some of the mood swings and things like that that we see. Whereas women will typically have the sexual changes as well, but they'll just have trouble finding arousal. Um, and that's something that we need to talk about a little bit more because, you know, on top of the taboo subject like mental health, we also have the taboo about sexual health. And so if one is playing a part of the other, the other one is doing the same. We have to be able to consider that something is going on that we need to talk about. And the thing is, and I really hate this, but as I was kind of researching for this show or this episode, I realized that there is a lot of information on PTSD and very little at the same time. Um, whenever you look up every site, every organization, every company has different studies that show different examples, different percentages, different everything. And I understand this is a very hard topic to gauge, but some of the things that we see are people in healthcare, the ranges are from like 30 to 60 percentile that you'll ever even experience PTSD. The range of 3% to 20% for suicide attempts or thoughts, those are big ranges if you think about it. You know, 3 to 20%, if you take that, you factor in, let's say 100,000 people, that's 3,000 or 20,000. That's a lot. That's a huge difference. So these are huge gaps. And for study purposes, you know, it doesn't gauge a lot of what we kind of need to be able to move forward. So some of these are showing like upwards of 50%. Um, some of them show less than 20%. And they're just kind of scattered everywhere. One thing I will say out of all of the companies or out of the organizations or agencies that have done the majority of this research have come from the Department of Veteran Affairs. They, I looked at quite a bit of theirs and they're great, uh, but they also seem to be very skewed towards just the military side of things. And I think that there's a lot of things that could be transitional between the military and within healthcare, especially if you're on the first responder side. But at the same time, it's not an accurate depiction of what we might experience on the home front. Not to say that it's useless research. It's absolutely not because it, it benefits us. It's research in the right direction. It benefits the military and the people at service. However, we do need a little bit more geared towards us. So let's talk about our health. You know, uh, as we go down this road of PTSD, you know, we experience a lot of things on the way, anxiety, depression, things like that. So according to the CDC, our mental health affects us in a direct correlation to how we treat others. It affects our decision-making capabilities, our overall mood, our relation to others, and how we interpret others as well. If you think about our job, the capacity of our job, 
what we have to do in our capabilities in our job. Like we mentioned before, you can't help somebody if you need help yourself. You cannot help patients if you become a patient yourself. So whenever your interpretation becomes skewed, you know, whenever you start to think either below or above the scale that you're supposed to, it does start to affect your overall patient care and it will diminish over time. So it's important to deal with these issues early on. If you don't deal with them early on, they just compound. They, They will get worse. And before you know it, you won't be able to function even on the basic level. So what can we do to stop it before it gets bad? Well, you have to be able to recognize the signs first, right? You have to be able to recognize that there is something going on that is causing this. So let's talk about some of these signs, right? You're going to have dreams or reliving calls or things like that or patients that you have or experiences with coworkers. You're going to have these either vivid dreams of them or while you're awake, you're going to be reliving them. This is important because some of us just think of this as we're recalling memories and trying to figure out things from it. And that might be a part of it, but when it happens on excess, it's actually an early indicator that there is something that is traumatically stressing you out. You will also have poor sleep. Now, for the guys and girls that are working on the EMS side, I know this is kind of a joke to say poor sleep. Yes, when we work 24 hours, we get poor sleep. But in regards to PTSD, whenever you get home and you're so drained from all this labor and staying up and the late night calls and everything like that, the sleep doesn't change. Whenever you get home, you are not capable of going to sleep and staying asleep like you need to. You might crash for a few minutes, but then you wake up and then you keep rolling over and you're not able to actually go into that deep sleep that you need. Another thing that we see is that avoidance. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but that avoidance, you start to not want to hang out with your friends or experience any new things or talk with anybody else or anything like that. And then you get very easily agitated. You know, things that might not have bothered you before will start to bother you more and more and progressively they'll just get worse. This is that sliding scale that people talk about in this field where, you know, if you don't balance that that feelings that you have with your patient, then you will inevitably start to treat them poorly. Another thing that we see is a huge increase in anxiety or fear. I have some personal experiences with this, and I can talk about this as we go on a little bit, uh, but I'll save that for the end for you guys. But you'll see a huge increase in anxiety. For some reason, let's say that you work um, in the hospital, right? And you come in for your shift and you're waiting, you do your little powwow in the break room, do your shift change and everything like that. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, a big burly patient that you have seen multiple times and you know that they get super aggressive. Well, on a typical day, you know how to handle it. You can call security, you can do things like that. But today, for some reason, your anxiety is super heightened. The what ifs in your mind start to get worse. And you can even create that fear inside yourself, even though this is something that you know that you're in a safe area, you know you have people around you, um, things like that. It will be so increased, sometimes it'll kind of cripple us and not let us function as we need. You'll also see a huge loss of pleasure. We talked about this a little bit, again, where we talked about, you know, arousal and erectile dysfunction that comes out of this, but you'll lose pleasure in simple activities. For the people that like to, you know, like play video games and things like that, you won't see or feel nearly as much pleasure 
as you did before in that. Even eating food, some foods that gave you kind of that euphoric feel, you'll start to struggle a little bit with those. Um, so it's important to kind of see that as we're going down this scale, if you start to meet a few of these criterias, it's important to address those soon and start to work towards dealing with them. Because if not, it will be very, very difficult for you to recover from. I think of it like, you know, where we talked about digging a hole, right? You fall down this rabbit hole. You have two options. Either you can dig yourself up or you can climb yourself up or you can keep digging down. The more you dig down into this hole and not recognizing the feelings that you have or the symptoms or the signs coming on, the longer it will take you to be able to climb out of that hole. So early recognition in something like this is going to be key for you. Preventive measures aside, we have to consider what our options are for recovering from PTSD. There are a lot of options. There's therapy, there's medication, there is of going against what you have noticed as your signs. So if you're a person that has been struggling to get out of the house and do more activities, then you push yourself to do those, even if it puts you in an uncomfortable position. Scheduling your sleep whenever you're not working is probably the most beneficial as far as recovering from something. You know, you have to be able to sleep properly to be able to balance out your emotions, to regulate your hormones, to recover your muscles from long shifts. You know, the more physically exhausted you are, the more mentally exhausted you'll become inevitably. And most importantly, it goes hand in hand with therapy. But have someone that you can confide into about these things, some things that you need to let go of and you're not capable of talking about regularly with many people, even if you are against therapy and you don't want to do that, consider having somebody that you can confide into, express what you're feeling, look into any resources that you can, and this will also make you a better provider because inadvertently you would have resources ready for people in your community or your coworkers that might need them because you have done the research for yourself and you know what works for yourself. So you'd be able to tell them, hey, I think that this will work for you because it worked for me. If not, you know, here's some resources that I can help you with. And I think the biggest thing here, or one of the bigger things that we see in medicine is that, you know, for years, mental health was never really considered to be a problem for healthcare workers. There was this belief that you had to be strong enough to do the job or you just shouldn't do it. And to some extent, that can be true. I think that You need to be strong enough to do the job, but you also have to be strong enough to know whenever you're not capable of doing the job. It doesn't mean everybody is the same in that regards or that aspect. I think that it is that that sliding scale that we talked about with your health. So I think that mentality really set the stage for modern medicine and how we treat our patients. So it's something to consider whenever... You know, you are a person that have been trained by somebody that you feel is a little burned out or maybe makes up a lot of excuses for the things that they do or their treatment paths or just don't go above and beyond for the patients like they need to. You know, there's a lot of things that we should talk about here whenever it comes to mental health. But like I said, we we have to break this down into sections. PTSD is probably one of the more common ones that we see. So it's important to address these things as we need it. And on a side note, you know, a little personal story, um, you know, I grew up in a very traditionally Hispanic household. And for any of you that knows, you know, we, in our culture, we don't believe in 
modern healthcare necessarily. We don't really believe in mental health. We don't really believe in therapy. It's just kind of like a waste of money or it's kind of useless. So it took me a long time to really see what I needed to do and to really recognize that I had issues that I had to work on. And a little story for me is, you know, I was probably about a year into working um, in healthcare and I was working on the EMS side and we responded to a golf cart that hit a car and got ejected from the golf cart. Now, mind you, whenever you hear stuff like this in EMS, it's kind of funny to think about, you know, your first reaction is to be like, oh, there's a golf cart. Like that's goofy, right? And so that's how we were. You know, we responded out there. Everything we were laughing, just like, oh, this is this is going to be funny. Well, we respond out and we see two people laying on the roadway. One is on the opposite end. And luckily, fire department got there to close off traffic. So nobody got injured further. And then on my end, I had my partner. We broke up for a second and he went to the other side of the road. And I went to this elderly woman on my side of the road. I was on the driver's side. Well, I noticed that she was leaned over kind of on her left side and she was curved inward. <clears throat> and at first I thought, okay, it looks like she has really bad kyphosis. Um, so I try to get her to respond, ma'am. Hey, Hey, you know, do your, your sternal rubs, talk, you know, try to interact with them. And as I did this, I realized I wasn't getting a very good response. I was like, okay, well, she's now an emergent patient. The other person was just sitting on the side of the roadway and they were like, we're fine. We got out of the vehicle, so we weren't injured. So I had my partner and I had the fire department go and get the supplies that we needed. We put her on the stretcher. We got her in the truck. Well, as I'm leaning down, I'm checking her pupils. I noticed that one side is blown and she's just repeating to me, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. And... For me at the time, I, I thought to myself, okay, you know, I needed to try to get some other response. She wasn't responding to anything I was saying or doing. I think that her recognition was just very poor because of the massive head injury that she had. Well, we get her over to the hospital, and within two days, she got pulled off of life support and died. You know, I didn't think very much of this at the time because I had dealt with death many times. I had, you know, experienced people dying, working codes, overdoses, children, you know, you name it at this time. So I didn't really think very much about it at the time. Well, fast forward about another year later, for some reason, I wake up in the morning and I had a dream about this same lady. Couldn't remember her name, couldn't remember anything, but I just remember looking into her eyes and her repeating, I'm hurting over and over again. And I thought about it for weeks on end. I could not get this woman out of my head at all. At this time, I was kind of going through a lot in my personal life, but I didn't realize how bad I was off at this time because I didn't have any experience with it before. No real PTSD, no real issues with anything like that. And I didn't realize that it was something going on until I went and talked to a therapist about it. You know, I wasn't working in an area at the time that really had any resources or the personnel that cared enough to talk to one another and have decompressed sessions and things like that. So it was very difficult for me to deal with the situation. And at the time, I was also working 100-hour weeks, which, like we mentioned before, is not good for your, your mental health. It took a while, but after a few months, I was able to go 
day by day without actually thinking about this woman again. But it was something small. It wasn't anything major. It wasn't the major calls that I had that really showed up in my mind. And I think that's the thing that we need to talk about more is that PTSD can come from anywhere and it can be anything. I wasn't thinking at the time that this this would ever be a critical call. I never thought at the time that there was anything that I could do differently. I never second-guessed myself. I never did anything like that. You know, our treatment paths, going to the hospital, getting a follow-up, finding out what was going on. In this whole process, and even further down the road, I never thought about this one one time. And then all of a sudden, a year later, she pops in my head and I can't get rid of it. I've since had this happen a few times with a few patients and was able to recognize it early on. But I tell you guys this story because it's important that you understand that PTSD is not just one major thing. You know, they talk about the most traumatic things that happen in your job. Those can be compiling factors. When you go out to see the dead children, the dead adults, the people that are suffering in front of you that you're not capable of helping, you know, the people that come into the ER and you have to tell them that now they have this life debilitative disease that you can't do anything about. Those are hard calls, but sometimes those are not the ones that really dictate whether or not you are going to have this relapse or this recurring image inside your head. So take that as a perspective of those can be compiling factors. You know, those can be things that add up to then make you recall something that you're not capable of getting out, help you understand what is going on inside your own mind. And with that, guys, that's pretty much everything I have for you today. So a little bit of that news we talked about before, um, we hit over a thousand downloads recently, like we had mentioned, and we are now coming up on our 10th episode after this one. So I wanted to say thank you guys so much for all of those. We really appreciate it. Like I said, many times before, we didn't really think that it would um, grow this much or that it would progress to this point. So I wanted to say a big thank you to you guys. And part of that with our 10th episode, we want to interview someone that works in emergency medicine, whether you're in the nursing side, the EMS side, whether you're a mid-level, a doctor, anything like that. We want to talk about some advances in practice, maybe some things in your area that we don't do in our area or maybe other places in the world, how you manage life and work and your mental health in general, some concerns or maybe appreciations for the direction that medicine is going in. Let's talk about some, you know, rural versus healthcare or some rural versus urban healthcare systems some behavioral health, you know, things like that. Um, And then, of course, a little bit of personal information about yourself if you're willing to share. If that's something that you're interested in, you know, please reach out at our email, emergencymedical101 at gmail.com. Or you could follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Those are posted below, links for you guys. And as always, guys, never stop learning. We appreciate you so much, and thank you guys so much for listening today.